and we receive more joy. And the myth we're going to bust today is this one. Raise your hand if you've heard this one. God only gives you what you can handle. If you heard that, raise your hand if you've heard that one. God will only give you what you can handle. Man, I love that. I'm, I've been looking forward to this one for a long time. Man. And the origin of the myth is actually a Bible verse. It's from 1 Corinthians 10. It says this. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And that's the basis of the saying, God will only give you what you can handle. It comes from that Bible passage right there. And like all myths, there are some elements of truth to it. I think it's meant to be like encouraging, right? You know, like the water boy. You can do it, right? Just, just buck up, little buck camper. You can do this. It's going to be okay, right? That's what it's meant to do. That's the intent of the phrase. And there is truth that there's nothing in this world that you can't get through. That's true. But, but aren't you looking for more than just getting by? Aren't you looking for more than just surviving? Aren't you looking for a word of hope? And let's face it, God will only give you what you can handle is oftentimes not that hopeful. Because what usually happens is, like you're going through a tough time, and you're like, yeah, this is happening, and this is happening, this is happening, and some well-intentioned but ill-informed myth informer says, well, you know, God will only give you what you can handle. So you can do it. Great. That feels horrible. So let's bust some myths here. We're going to bust the smith so that you can have greater hope and greater joy. And the first is this. The text that it comes from isn't about the hard stuff in life. It, it just isn't. It's not about the day when you get laid off. It's not about the day when you're not getting a paycheck anymore. It's not talking about that. It's not talking about that time when that the phone rings and the awful news comes over the phone lines or cell phone, right? It's not talking about that stuff. It's talking about temptation. That's the context of the verse. You will face no temptation that you can't handle. The temptations in life that come your way, God has given you every tool you need to say, you know what, Lord? Thank you, Jesus. I'm walking away from this one. There's no temptation that you can't handle. And in fact, Jesus Christ has faced every one of them already and has defeated them. So that's what the verse is actually about. It's not about the hard stuff in life, the stuff that just overwhelms you at 2 a.m. and you can't fall asleep. And you wonder how the next day is going to come and how you're going to get through it. It's not talking about that stuff at all. Because here's the truth. Sometimes... There's stuff in your life that you can't handle on your own. You, you can't. In fact, the Apostle Paul talks about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says this. He's writing to the church in Corinth. And he says then, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. 
Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He hath delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope, that he will continue to deliver us, and as, as you help us by your prayers. Isn't that cool? Paul writes to the church in Corinth and says, we were done for. We were in trouble, and I didn't think we were going to get out alive. And God spared us, and your prayers helped. Don't ever doubt the power of God answering prayer. Keep praying. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us and answered prayers of many. So Paul says, there's stuff in life that you go through and you can't handle it. And sometimes it's the hard stuff that happens to you and that God allows. Because we live in a world where God allows people to act. So we're not evolutionists. And a strict evolutionist believes, if they're consistent with their thinking, and most aren't, but the ones who are consistent with their thinking acknowledge that if there's evolution is true, then all behavior is predetermined. Because behavior is biological. We're not evolutionists. We're creationists. We've got God created heaven and earth and everything in it, including you. And so we believe that you have the ability to choose. That God gives you the dignity of choice. And sometimes people choose bad things and bad things happen. That happens a lot. But sometimes, though, God changes things so that we have to rely on him. In Judges chapter 7, Gideon is going up against this group of people called the Midianites. And he raises an army of over 30,000 men. And God says, too many. They're facing the Midianites who are also in the tens of thousands. And God says, if you win, people will praise you, Gideon. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to ask everyone who's afraid. If you're anxious about going into the fight, you can go home. Most generals don't do this. <laughs> and Gideon is faithful. He obeys. 22,000 are like, bye-bye. <laughs> Gideon's left with about 10,000. And God says, still too many. This is what I want you to do, Gideon. I want you to have, take everyone to the, to the river and have them drink from the river. And the ones who like stick their head in and, and drink, send those guys home. And the ones who like take the water in their hands and slurp it out of their hands, you keep those ones. All right. Apparently it was a hot day. Because I'm telling these guys stick their head in the water. And Gideon's left with 300. 300 against tens of thousands. And God says, that'll do. God sends them into battle. They do a sneak attack at night. They surprise the camp. The camp's in chaos. They end up fighting each other. 
Gideon and the Israelites are victorious, and God is glorified. So there are times in your life when you will come across things that you cannot handle on your own. God does not give you only what you can handle. It doesn't. So what does he give? He gives grace. These are great words, the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul, who, who Jesus Christ revealed himself to. The Apostle Paul, who traveled uh, throughout uh, the Roman Empire, risked his life multiple times. This Apostle Paul, he says this. There you go. For because of these surpassingly great revelations, uh, in order to keep me from being conceited, right? There's a, there's a truthful saying. God showed me some cool stuff. And to make sure I wasn't like lording it over people, this is what he did. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. And he doesn't. Instead, this happens. God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. The implication being, my power is made perfect in your weakness. So Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. I delight in insults. I delight in hardships. I delight in persecution. I delight in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What does God give? He gives grace. He gives grace to be forgiven. This is a cool thing. We have no idea what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. We have no clue. Theologians, they debate it, right? And some say, well, maybe it was a physical ailment. We do know that Paul had really poor eyesight. Uh, at the end of his life, he had to have his letters transcribed for him. He needed to speak them and someone else would write them down. Maybe that's what he's talking about. Others are saying, no, it's, it's, it's deeper than that. He had some spiritual struggle he had. We honestly don't know. Whatever it was, it bothered Paul a great deal. It was hard. It was more than he could handle. And God gives him grace. Grace to be forgiven. Grace to not know the answer. Or answers. Grace to not be in control. Grace to fail and still be loved. Grace to weep and to mourn and to be comforted. Grace to be weak and to rest in God's strength. And grace is a beautiful thing. It's not an easy thing. It's easier to be in control. It's easier to be right. It's easier to have all the answers. It's easier not to fail. 
That's easier. What God gives is grace. Grace to fail and still be loved. A grace to sin and still be forgiven. Grace to be uncertain about the future, to not know the answers, to not know where the next paycheck is coming from, and, and to, to be afraid and rest in his strength. It's beautiful. It's harder. Jesus, as Paul said about Jesus, nothing, nothing will separate you from the love of God. Neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will keep you away from God's love for you in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's grace. That's what God gives you. But he gives something else as well. He also gives community. One of the values here at Gracious Savior, we often say this, is God won't give you anything that we can't handle. That's what we believe here. God will not give you anything that we cannot handle. So one of God's gifts to you is me. <laughs> and Nick, and Sophia, and James, and Jeannie, and Kira, Heather, Linda, you are God's gifts to each other. And we'll hit this later on in the next myth. But the other myth is that I can worship God in nature. We'll, we'll tackle that one later. I'll give you the preview of it. Sure you can. But you miss out on the gifts. And there are people here whose gifts that you need. And there are people here whose gifts that you have that you need to give them. Because one of God's greatest gifts is community, and God will not give you anything that we cannot handle. And we are intentional and purposeful about this. This upcoming Sunday, we're having a voters meeting, and we'll vote on the budget. And one of the budget is the food budget. We have a fellowship budget. We spend $3,500 a year on coffee and donuts. That's ridiculous. And we're to keep on doing that... So after church, you'll stick around and have some bad coffee and a good donut and say, hey, how are you doing today? And you'd be like, I'm doing fine. How are you doing today? And you could say, well, I've had a tough week. You'd be like, oh, I'll pray about you for that. Let's pray. Amen. That's community. We're intentional about it. We're having a Super Bowl party. Why? So we can have community and cheer for the Rams. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we do it. We have a ski group. So you can crash and someone can help you up. That's why. That's what we do. Because God won't give you anything that we can't handle. And I want to encourage you to be intentional in community. Whether that's hanging out after church five extra minutes. Maybe it's just that. Maybe it's doing the, one of our Bible studies our community groups, or getting active in one of those. Maybe it's having a friend that you say to a friend, a good close friend, hey, I want to give you permission to hold me accountable in my walk with Jesus. I want to give you that permission. That when you see me going this way, you have my permission to kick me back. Because I know you love me and I know God loves me. 
and that's what I wanted to do. Maybe it looks like that. What does community look like for you? Because if you're walking through life and going, oh, i got stuff in my life I can't handle, maybe God's kicking you towards community. And a group of people who say, we're going to walk with you. And we don't know the answers either. But we'll walk with you through this. And Jesus Christ walks with us. And Jesus Christ, who died on a cross, who was made completely helpless, nailed to two pieces of wood, completely out of control, completely at the hands of his oppressors and those who would torture and kill him. So that you might have grace. So that you might know that nothing will separate you from God's love. So you might be put together in a community of people following Jesus. Stumbling and tripping and skiing into trees, but still following Jesus. Wherever he might be. And Jesus goes crazy places. Jesus goes places you don't want to go. He'll take you into uncertainty. If you pray that that Jesus leads you to a person that you can invite to Alpha, here's the scary part. God will answer that prayer, and then you're stuck with it. And it'll keep you up at night. Be like, oh, I have to talk to this person, and I so don't want to. I'm so afraid. Jesus will lead you places where you don't know the answer, and all you can do is rely on him. He'll be there for you. He'll be there with his grace, with his promises, with his commitment to you. And guess what? We will too. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, thank you. Thank you for this group of people here that you have gathered together. Lord, we, we come from different places and different backgrounds and you bring us all together in this this weird conglomeration of people who have one thing in common it's you Jesus there's one thing that every single one of us here have in common it's just our need for you and so Lord God thank you thank you for bringing us together and thank you for bringing us together under your cross We, Lord, have failed. Lord, we've we've failed in our fearfulness and our lack of faithfulness. We have failed in our lack of calling to be your people. We have failed to walk with those around us, Lord God. You never fail. You never leave. Lord Jesus, thank you. We ask your Holy Spirit to move within each and every one of us here. To follow you wherever you lead. 
with others with us along the way and say, I'm going to walk with you as Jesus walks with us. Thank you.